And I'm so excited to be able to preach to you today. Really, I am. What an honor and privilege it is to bring the word of the Lord, the everlasting gospel, the words of freedom, the words to life, the words to truth, the most important words you could ever read or or teach or preach about. And um, um, I carry the weight of that this morning um, with honor in my heart. So today we're going to be preaching about this message title is Come, Come Back to the One Who Loves You. Um, I absolutely love a, a great comeback story. You know, and every movie, even, I love the movies with great comeback stories. I remember when I was dating which was then my girlfriend, now my wife, but I was dating Jen in college. And interestingly enough, every relationship has its, inter- has its interesting ebbs and flows, doesn't it? You know, Jen pursued me for about a year, and I just continually rejected her. You know, how, how weird was that, right? She's beautiful. I just really didn't feel like dating. Not really her, just me. And then I realized, okay, yes, if I don't respond to this girl this will be a biggest, one of the biggest mistakes in my life. So I, I, I then accepted that whole pursuit of her, and we started dating, and um, it was wonderful to go on our first date together. And I was just absolutely loving the relationship, and then I, I wanted to get more serious. Now, now it's flipped. She, now I'm the one trying to get her to love me more, whereas before it was her. So, and I could tell she's resisting. Isn't it interesting, the ebbs and flows of relationships? Well, I started to get frustrated. So I said, I just broke up with her. <laughs> As anybody would, right? You don't love me? Then see you later. Well, she loved me, but she just wasn't really ready for a very serious relationship. She's probably sitting back there. Remember, she's making her way back there right now. So I said, if you really don't want to be really serious with me, then what are we doing? Let's just end this right now. And I, I broke up with her, and I realized, well, that was a horrible thing to do. I, I denied her year of me pursuing me. I thought that was really bad idea. Now, this was a bad idea. And I was a miserable little puppy dog for about one month. And um, there was nothing I could do. I, I made it my bed, now I'm laying in it. And uh, I was sitting in my dorm room lonely, thinking to myself, I, I've got no sense in me whatsoever. What have I done? I've tried to get the upper hand, and I've lost her. She was missing me, too. Little did I know. But I was sitting in my dorm room alone, and it was actually snowing outside. This is Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it it really doesn't snow there. And it started snowing, and it actually started to get a good amount of snow where you could actually uh, go out and sled in it. And I was, like I said, I was just sitting in my dorm room, and my cell phone rings. And I look at my cell phone, and guess who's calling me? Jen. Jen's calling me. She hadn't called me. We, we didn't talk to each other. We broke up. That was it. She's calling me. She's coming back. I answer the phone. You know, try to play it cool. Hello? Hey, I was wondering if um, you wanted to go sledding with me. <gasps> yes. It's the smallest sled possible, right? <laughs> Some of you get that joke. Others of you don't. It's okay. But uh, we then, we went sledding together. And um, boy, it was wonderful. And we decided to start dating again. And then shortly after that, I asked her to marry me. But when I got the phone call, 
Oh, this, this, it, that, that ringing of the phone saying her name on the, on the cell phone was this, was this her reaching out to me to say, I, I, I do love you. I do want you back. Man, there's, I love a good comeback story. And you know, this message today, it's, it's a good message, but also it's a, it's a message for sinners to come back. Amen. It's a, it's a message for backslidden people to come back. It's a message that people are far from God today to come back to God today. He, he so desperately wants you, I promise, church. But this also is a message for those people who have, for, for some reason or another, decided to excuse themselves from, from serving or have excused themselves from getting involved in the house of God. And also this message is today is for those who have lost their passion for the house of God. Maybe have lost their zeal for the house of the Lord. I hear stories of families and people who lose their passion for the house of God, lose their zeal for the house of the Lord, and, and that they walk through this dry season. They walk through a, a, a dark season. They'll, they'll walk through a season where everything feels like a challenge. Every time the church doors open, oh no, it's a chore to get up and go to church again. I got to do my duty and I got to serve and I got to, and I don't really want to be there, but I've said I'd be there. And they've lost their passion for the house of God. Come back to the one who loves you today. Amen. I, I, being a pastor can be very difficult at times and it, and it has a lot of challenges and, and it can be difficult to deal with people and to get down in the dirt of their sin and their life and, and, and be able to work with them sometimes when they're reaping what they've sowed with a life of sin. But there's so many great moments too as a pastor too. And I think maybe one of the greatest rewards for me personally, maybe because it just fits my personality and, and who I am as a human being on the inside. But I, I love when people come back to church. I, I absolutely love it. But, but when, when people fall away from the Lord, the hardest thing for them to do is come back because of embarrassment or insecurities or thoughts of what people might be thinking about them um, as they think about coming back to church after being gone or living a life of sin for a season or falling into the devil's hands for a moment and, and they feel guilty and they feel insecure about that life. But I, I absolutely love it when they come back to church. I see people sitting out here today who, who've come back. They've come back. Their, their light is back within them. They've, they start serving again. They're, they're back in church. They begin to, they're, they're loving the Christians again. They're loving the Father again. They're falling in love with, with Jesus again. You see him being guided by the Holy Spirit. Once again, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see as a pastor, but it's also rare. And I wish it wasn't so that way. But to come back is a wonderful thing. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, this is just one long sentence. Listen to this, 14 through 19, Ephesians chapter 3. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, you would, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is would be the, uh, the prayer of every pastor of those verses, that sentence that I read to you. 
that we try so hard to explain and, and, and speak with eloquence the, the height, the width, the depth, the breadth, the length of the love of the Father for you, that, that nothing can hold you back from the Father except yourself. And, 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 and if you would just humble yourself and just come back to the Father, you would begin to experience fullness of life and fullness of love and fullness of joy. And that's the cry of every pastor. And Adam, the first man, fell. And, and really, ever since then, the human race, men and women, they've been falling. They've been falling. And, and, and maybe you've fallen a little bit. Maybe you've retreated a little bit. Maybe you've walked back just, just a smidgen. And maybe the, the, has the zeal of God left you in this season? Has the zeal for God's house gone out of your heart? Are you excited on Sunday morning to get to church? Are you excited on Wednesday night to get to church? Are you excited when the, when the pastor announces a prayer service and a prayer meeting? Are you excited for the revival services coming up? Is there a passion within you? Our prayer is that there would be today, that we would have a church full of people who can say, I'm coming back to the one who loves me. And our prayer, my prayer, is that you would come back. My prayer is, is, is that something supernatural would happen within you, that God's grace would give you a zeal for the house of the Lord. There is a subtle lie from the devil that says that God just it can't and won't receive you back, that you've, you've done too many things, you've slept too long, you, you, you've been lazy too much, you, your sin is too great, Jesus doesn't want you anymore, God doesn't want you anymore, These, this church doesn't want to deal with you anymore, this pastor's tired of seeing you come and go, and, and that could be the, that's the farthest thing from the truth today, right church? Is that a, a pastor's heart longs for the sheep to come back to, into the sheepfold. The gate is open, and Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, they hear my voice, and they're, they're all welcome in. And it doesn't matter when you decide to come back, even with your very last breath, if you say, oh Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me and forgive me. And then you pass on from this life into the next, my friend, you're being welcomed into paradise. Amen, church? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And there's a lie from the enemy. There's a lie from the enemy, and, and maybe you, you've subtly believed the lie. You, you, you've, let this, uh, you've let this lie of the enemy hold you back a bit, a bit, it, it, just a bit, just a bit, because you, you, you're bruised or you're wounded or you're limping, but I want to tell you right now that, that the throne room is, is, is available for you to fully approach today, church. And as a pastor, I want to say, you're not out of it. You're not done. You're not under the foot of the enemy. He is under your foot. Amen? You know, the enemy is, is, is nasty. Psalm 37, verses 30, 32 through 33 says this. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned when brought to trial. We see here that, you know, the devil spies on you. He does. He spies on, his, on God's children. God orders your steps, and the devil watches you. And he's, he's looking to get something on you. He, he's looking to find a moment, just a, a moment of weakness, a moment of doubt, a moment of shame, a moment of, of whatever, uh, something. He's, he's spying on you constantly. But we also see here in the second verse, in verse 33, that God will not let you go. The Holy Spirit will draw you back. 
The Holy Spirit will never give up on you. Amen? There's a, oh, a, a man in the Bible who had such a great fall, David. Such a great fall. If any of these things that David did would be done by a pastor, he would never be allowed in the pulpit again. Because David had a great fall. He committed adultery. He murdered. He lied. And then he tried to to cover it all up. But we see here in the Bible that God says David is is a man after my heart. How is this possible? How could a man with such a great fall also be a man after God's own heart? How could a man with such deep, dark sin bents, murderous, adulterous, liar, covering it up, how could this man be a man after God's own heart? We see here David fell and fell hard. And he was, he was a kind of a, David is, we connect so well with David because He's, he's, he's like me and you. He really truly is. He was, he was serving God and he was working for the Lord and, and then he falls. And that could be many in here today, a season where you served and then you fell and now you're back or a season where you're, you're, you're really on fire for the Lord and then the devil comes in so hard on you and you fall for a moment. And like David, he fell, he fell hard. But, but I want to let you know today that God doesn't give up on David, and Jesus is not giving up on you. Jesus loves you. He accepts you. And sometimes when you make a really big mistake, there are consequences for your sins. There are consequences for your mistakes. I've, I've lived with consequences in my life before. I, I, I have lived this where I feel like God has 100% forgiven me, but it takes me a long time to get trust back with the loved ones in my life because I've done such wrong things. I've hurt them. And there's consequences for your sin, but there's not, that is not a reason for you not to fully enter into the love of the Father today. There's no reason for you to, you're fully loved, fully accepted, especially those that have asked for forgiveness, but it might take you some time to gain trust back with humans, your, your, your wife or your, or your husband or your kids or your parents. Or, there might be a season of consequence in your life, but there's, there's not that with the Heavenly Father. But we see here David had a moment, had a season in his life where there were some consequences. I'll read that to you, Psalm 38, verses 1 through 14. This is what David write, writes. He says, Lord, Do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my bones. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and lie. I am like the deaf who cannot hear. Like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like the one who does not hear. Whose mouth can offer no reply. 
Why can it be that David can have such a fall, but also be considered a, a, the man after God's own heart because my, my church today, that he had a heart of repentance. You show me a man or woman who has a repent, repenting spirit within them. You are a person after the heart of God today. If only you would repent. If only we would repent, right church? If only we could admit where we've gone wrong and what we've done and what we've said and what we've thought and who we truly are on the inside. If we would just repent, we would truly begin to feel the love of the Father deep within us. And David is very comparable to us Christians. You know, when your sin finds you out, you may lose trust with loved ones. You may lose trust with family members. You may feel the consequences from those mistakes. But God, I want to encourage you today, but God does not want us to live like this for the rest of our lives. You know, after the discipline is over, he calls us back. He calls us back. He draws us back. He, he even will begin to lure us in with, with soft whispers such as, such as this. He'll say to, to, don't live with this guilt any longer. Don't hold on to the shame any longer. Don't keep your head so low any longer. I want you to rise up. I want you to approach me. I want you to worship me. I want you to have a relationship with me. That's the heart of the Father. And even at times... Even at times, church, we could be at the height of our walk with the Lord and the enemy can come on us strong and we could fall. Even at the height of our walk with the Lord, we can fall, we could fall today, we could, we could make big mistakes. Even at the height of the most powerful move of walk, move of God in our life, our walk can be so great and we could have a season, a moment where we fall. We see it happen all the time in the, in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. We call these, I call these, well, not we, I, I just thought of this, but like, like Red Sea mistakes. Red Sea mistakes because the Red Sea moment for the children of Israel was the height of God's favor and love and adoration for the children of Israel when he parts the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. Look at what the Bible says. The children of Israel did, even at the Red Sea, Psalm 106, verse 7 through 10. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. Even so, listen, this is the heart of the Father. Even so, he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. And yes, there are times where we can even fall at the Red Sea, where God is showing his power and God is showing his miracle-working hand and God is doing amazing things. We can even fall right there. Reminds me of a message I preached in Peru and I've, I've even preached it here. But the, 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 this message that David takes out Goliath, but Goliath has four other brothers. And one of his brothers, his name is translated um, Giant in the Doorway. That's his actual name, Giant in the Doorway. 
And this is a giant that lays wait for us while we're at the height and we're at the, the, when we're at the height of our walk with the Lord, when we're at our strongest, we're, we're actually about to walk through an open door. And there's a, there is a giant that may stand in the open door to try one last time to defeat you from walking into the glorious destiny and the glorious mission and purpose that God has for your life. You've worked years to get there. You've, you've not sinned one, you know, you've, you've been far from sin. You've, you've honored your authority in your life. You've been faithful to him and faithful to church. And you're just about to walk through the doorway of your purpose and destiny. And there's one last giant to defeat. And I have watched people been defeated by this giant many times. Many times, and they, they fall away, and they have to start over from scratch. It took them decades to get there, and then they fall, and they've got to start all over. Many times it happens. It happens to pastors. It happens to lay people. It happens to people who serve. It happens to people who are on staff at churches. It happens all the time. I see it happen all the time. There is these Red Sea moments where God is doing amazing things, where you're about to walk through the doorway of your purpose, and you may fall. And the devil loves to beat you up and track you down right there at that moment. He loves to get you to, 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 to fall right there at that moment. But I want to encourage you today, church, that you have everything within you to not listen to the lie of the enemy. I've watched people listen to the lies of the enemy. I've sat in meetings and I've listened to people speak to me, lies of the enemy, and they thought it was the truth. I've watched, I've listened. I, and and there's, not, there's not much you can say when it's happening before your eyes. And if we truly knew who we were as children of God, we would not believe those lies. I love Psalm verse 31. It's a promise being made to a man of God who fell, and he was a man of God who fell hard. David, Psalm 31, verse 7 through 8. David says, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love. For you have seen my troubles, and you care about my anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but you have set me in a safe place. This is the destiny for all of us, church. We would become as though we were in a safe place. And Pastor Rhonda preached this word in the, in the 9am service and maybe you're here to hear it, but she was talking about how many people are, are trying to earn their salvation and trying to earn a right standing before the Heavenly Father and they're trying to earn love and they're trying to earn their rewards. They're trying so hard and, 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 and it's never going to happen for you. It's never going to happen for you and you're trying to earn favor from God, but today the scripture tells us he cares about us while we're in our troubles. And I said that this message isn't just for the backslidden. This message isn't just for this sinner. But this is, this is also a message today for those who have, for some reason or another, have made a, a decision within themselves that they just, they're just not good enough to do, to do something for the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm just, I just not good enough. 
I, I just don't have what it takes. I can never get on that stage. I can never hold a microphone. I can, I can never do anything like that. I could never lead a small group. It's just, it's just not my talent. It's just not my thing. I, I can't go on missions. I can't get on an airplane. I, I can't do this, and I can't do that. And, they, and they've made all these decisions within themselves. And all the while, we're saying here on the, uh, from the pulpit that, that everybody's called to make, an impact, uh, to make an impact on the kingdom of God. Amen, church? I, I, I just don't like it when, when people beat themselves up. It's like the enemy doesn't even have to do it. The enemy doesn't even have to do nothing. They, they, they just beat themselves up. They just, tell them so, they just tell themselves that they're out of it. They're out. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I don't like that. It, it saddens my heart. It, 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 it's very difficult to listen to that. And, to, and, to, and you just, they walk away. They walk away and you're, go, you're they're going, no, you can lead that group. You're, you're doing a great job. You can lead that ministry. You're doing a great job with it. I, I'm, I'm, I love what you're doing. Just, just let's keep going. But they just write, they count themselves out and they, they just begin to just, I, I can't, I don't think I can do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and we're, we're the pastors going, no, no, don't go backwards. Come, come back, come back. We can do this. You know, I, I don't like it. It breaks my heart when people say, well, I, I can't speak or I can't write. I can't sing. I, I can't play an instrument. I can't lead. I can't do this. People, I have a hard time dealing with people. And, they, and I'm just insecure about what they're thinking about me while I'm speaking and, and all this stuff. But, oh, this is not the kind of relationship that God is offering us today. The kind of relationship that God is offering us is, is come as you are. Come as you are, son. Come as you are, daughter. Come as you are. Just give what you got. Give, use the talent you got. It's not much. Don't worry. Don't worry. All my children are unique. Just give what you got, and we're, I'll multiply it for you. Don't even worry about it. Listen to the kind of relationship that God is offering us right now. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We could stop right there. But I'm going to continue on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Jesus, when he was alive, you know, he tells this great story about the prodigal son and he talks about the prodigal son. Even the prodigal son got tired of got tired of the life he was living. It wasn't even about sin anymore. He just was tired of feeling like he didn't deserve it. You catch that when you read that story. He's like, oh my goodness, even my, 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 father's, my father's servants are doing better than me. And, and, I, and you know, what happened was, is he, yes, he made some big mistakes and he left. But then he got to a point where he, was, he wasn't making mistakes anymore. He was just trying to survive. And then he realized, the only reason I'm not going back is because I'm just, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And, I, and I'm, I'm wallowing. And, and I'm, I'm just beating myself up. I'm being, I, I, he's probably telling himself, I just, I deserve this pig pen. I, I deserve this pig food. 
I deserve all this stuff. I, I deserve it. And maybe for a moment, right? There's just consequences and there's, there's things for this, but, but for a moment. But then what does he say? He just he realizes, what am I doing? I don't have to live this way. I don't have to think like this. I don't have to eat this stuff. I don't have to sleep in this, in this barn. I don't have to do this. So he, he just goes home. He just goes home. He comes back. And when you read the story, you get an image of a, of a man, you know, missing a shoe, limping back home, robes gone, torn up, head shaved. Just, he is down. He is out. He got nothing left. But who sees him? Who sees him a ways off? The father sees him a ways off. And the father, the father picks up his, his robe, which is a sim, which is a very important Jewish symbol here. Because men aren't supposed to show their legs in the Jewish community. And he picks up his, his uh, pants or robe or whatever, and he runs to his son. Because he knows his son is back. Back. When you see him coming back, he's saying he's sorry. And the father accepts that today. And we see here that the only one who was rebuked was his older son, because he didn't join in the celebration. Isn't that interesting? He got a hard heart. So the prodigal son has a soft heart, but now the older son has a hard heart. And in the beginning, it was different. The older son had a soft heart, and the prodigal son had a hard heart, and now they've reversed. Now they've switched. I wish the story would go on to have good news for the older son, but it doesn't. Because the older son began to have a hard heart. He, and he was rebuked because he didn't join in the celebration. Oh, and I love it because there's an invitation for all of us today to come back to the one who loves us. And when you do, there is a celebration. And there's an acceptance of you. And there's forgiveness from the Father for you. And I want to end. And I want to have the worship team come on out at this time. And, and, um, and as the worship team is up there, what I want to do is while we worship here at the end, I want to encourage you with this, to have a heart of coming back as you worship, to drop your sin, to drop your insecurity, to drop that wrong thinking, to stop beating yourself up, and to enjoy the fullness of the Father's love for you today. Amen? Amen. I just want to give an altar call for everybody today. And I I was... I was reading um, this week, just preparing for my message and studying and getting ready to go. And oh, I saw this great illustration of salvation. And I want to read you this illustration today, what salvation is all about for you today. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never, you haven't yet believed upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that he's the only way to heaven today. I want to give you that opportunity. And salvation is amazing. It's like this. It's like, imagine yourself right now in a courtroom. And you've made many mistakes. And the judge has sentenced you to death. But also imagine Jesus Christ being your lawyer. And Jesus says to the judge, which is your heavenly father in this instance, your honor, I want to serve my client's sentence and pay the price for his and her wrongdoing by dying instead of my client. I want my client to go free. Can you imagine someone doing that for you? It doesn't happen. No lawyer has taken the place of a client before. 
But Jesus did this for you and for me. This is what he did. And the salvation is offered to us today if we would only believe. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. You're here today and oh, the offer of salvation is being extended to you and I, want, I would love to see people receive this. The joy of the Lord. This is a joyful time. This is a wonderful thing to be saved. Jesus has taken your place. You have had many wrongs. And from those sins, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus Christ is offering eternal life. If you would only believe that he has taken that death for you, if you would just believe and repent and ask for forgiveness of your sins, it's available today. Heaven is available today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need Jesus to save you today, I need you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Raise your hand today. I see one hand went up right away. I watched this hand go right up. Anybody else today? Not going to go on much longer. This is your chance. This is your opportunity to believe upon Jesus, the one who loves you the most, the one who died for you. Awesome. This is what we're going to do, church. I'm going to have this man come on down, and we're going to sing. Why don't we stand to our feet? They're going to lead you in the worship song. Go ahead, church. Come on down, young man. Come on down. I want to pray with you.